Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. About me. Do you remember that song? Nothing sweet about me. me. She was always sounded like she was just off key, but she wasn't. Well, me. Nothing <laughs> sweet about me. Like that? Did she sound like that? Yeah. Nothing sweet me. about me. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Welcome. My name's Annie Potatoes. That's Evie Jones. This is episode 15. Is this the last ep of this series? It's, it is. Happy last ep. Happy last ep. We forgot to say last week that next week will be our last ep for this season, but yeah. it's okay. Another 15 on the belt, under the, on the run. On the, yeah. On, the, on, the, on our, on the on our um, board. On the board. What have you been watching lately? Oh, look, um, you got me on to the dark side of the 90s. Mm, I, what are you up to? Well, I, I, I don't know. This is controversial, but I watched episode one and two and then I looked through what the other themes were and I skipped oh, ahead yeah. to the yeah. supermodel one. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's good because I'm up to episode three, which is the teen TV shows. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And I have to say... You must watch it. Okay, like, I will. It's it's all the teen shows that. Even though I was just into my out of my teens by the nine, well, about to be out. No, I was still in my teens in the nineties. So, yeah, yeah. The TV and just how it worked, like how it went from only dramas for adults. Yeah, that was the first time there were dramas, and the, and I was like watching it, going, "Oh my god, I never thought of that." But yes, like nine hundred two one zero. That that was all, you know. Like primetime dramas, and yeah. I'm not talking like after school specials. Yeah, there'd never been primetime dramas directed towards teenagers before that, with adults playing them. <laughs> that's the irony. That's the irony. Yeah, and yeah. that's what um Jason Priestley is on it. Going, I was the hottest teen in the world at 24. <laughs> But the supermodels one would be really good. Yeah, it is. It's really good. It's that it's the 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 supermodel and what why why were they such a thing in the nineties? Like why mm. did why did we They weren't just models, were they? No, they were supermodels. If you knew the model's name then and not what she was modeling, not the if you knew mm. the model's name more than you knew the brand she was the wearing, brand. she was a supermodel. She was a supermodel. Yeah. That's right. And I, I reckon even if you just knew the the supermodel's name, mm. that she she became a supermodel mm-hmm. because that had never been done. We'd never known no. the models' no. names. They were just models. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because it, this male supermodel never took off. It didn't, did it? Mm-mm. No. It's the one industry, one industry where women earn more. Um, episode Interesting. two. Mm. Episode two. Um, oh, episode two was so good. Yeah, the Viper Room. The Viper Room. And a mm. couple of realisations for me. A, I didn't know um, it was owned by Johnny Depp. What? Yep, I didn't know that. What? No, I didn't know. Nobody knows that. No, I didn't know it. I didn't know. Well, you're the only one, I'm afraid. I didn't know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, the Pussycat Dolls, 
started there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I thought that they were a TV reality show. And after I watched it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I knew it after I watched it too. Um, and I know a lot now. Yeah, yeah. Enough to be talking about it as an expert right now. And I also um, know that the choreographer of the Pussycat Dolls has had way too much way work. Way too much work. Way too much. Like, and she, yeah, she was gorgeous too, wasn't mm-hmm. she? It's like, stop trying to hang on, oh, ladies. And, and Christina Applegate. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was one of the original. Yeah. I didn't I mean, know that. I, I always thought the Pussycat Dolls were one of those reality show incarnations where they, you know, build a band. Yeah, yeah. Which it was, but I didn't know that that – because we probably never – I mean, you prob- probably didn't. I know I definitely didn't watch that reality show where they put that band together. No. But it is one. Had we watched it, we probably would have gone, oh, it's a Viper Room In the thing. background of it, Yeah. It's been yeah. around for a long time. Wow. Yeah, so they finally anyway. got people who could actually sing to sing on it and have original songs. Well, did they? Which is nice. Well, probably not. You know that only like two of them had their microphones turned on. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Which is two more than they've ever had in the Pussycat Dolls. So <laughs> singing. Yeah, true. You gotta loosen up your buttons, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, it's a really good show. Like me. Ah, oh, don't you? Oh, just put my back don't out. you? Don't you? Don't you? Oh shit! No, shit! Old, it is a great series. The series that we're talking about, in case you missed it last week, is on SBS, and it's called The Dark Side of the Nineties. Yes. And if you are our age. Or a little less, you, or even older, you really appreciate it. Even if you're a lot younger, I think you'll appreciate it anyway, but not as much as if you were mm, around you were watching it. it all firsthand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the really interesting thing about the third episode that you would have found interesting from the second episode was mm. how. Oh, no, I think it was actually in the second episode. Sorry, right at the very end, they talked about fame and how it was that part of the 90s, like River Phoenix and all of those, Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp's, they were the last of people who didn't want to be famous. That was it. After that, it became a lot of famous kids of um, not famous people but successful people, people yeah. who actually did things for a job. And then, you you know, the rise of the Kardashians and Paris Hiltons mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing became people who wanted to be famous. That was the end goal. It never used to be the end goal. No. You just wanted to be really good at what you did. How cute was the Counting Crows guy? Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't know he was a barman in the Viper room. It changed his life. He loved it. He loved it, didn't he? And he went out with Jennifer Aniston for a hot minute. I forgot about that I love as well. how they got together. I know. We won't, we won't tell you how the story is that they got together, but it is so cute and it's it is so worth cute. going and watching that documentary episode two just to find out that little cute story. Yeah. So I always knew that they went together for a hot minute. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. know that that cute little story was behind oh, you it. You knew everything from the 90s. Cool. Yeah, look, mm. except except for the Pussycat Dolls. Yeah. Yeah. And what you else? didn't even know that Johnny Depp owned the Viper Room. Yeah, so. shut up, okay? Who doesn't right. know that? God, what year are you living in? 
What have you been watching? Jack Irish. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which is ABC. It, it's it's three seasons. It's been around. It's been on, but um, I've been I've gone back to the first season to start it because I never watched it. It's the Guy Pierce Claudia Carvin show, yeah. and everyone's in it. Oh hi, my uh, dog is champing. Oh, hungry. Dinner time. She is. She is. Um, Beverly. I'll just give her a little bit of attention, and then hi, she'll Debbie. get sick of it. Yeah. Listen to her. Trachea, collapsed trachea sounds. Oh, dear. oh there we Ooh, go. And we're up. And Good. we're up. Because <laughs> um, she wants to be picked up and then when I pick her up, She's like last, I reckon, not even a minute yeah. before she's like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, good. Yeah, put me down. Yeah. Put me down. Yeah, Jack Irish, great. Because it's Australian. I just love Australian. And I always feel really guilty that I haven't watched an Australian film. Mm-hmm. I mean, Australian production. So no matter how old they are, I like to go back and eventually get yeah. through them. Yeah. Nice. And it's a good one. I highly recommend it. Okay. It's easy, well-written, little twists. Yeah. And everyone's in it. You know who is in it? Who? It's not Vicar and Linda Ball, is it? Oh, comedy duo, comedy of its duo in the world. Um, no, uh, Yacek, you know the guy down the beach that we see all the time with his oh from Moulin Pointer. Rouge. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. Oh. He's such a great actor. Nice. Okay. All right. I've got to give. I might give it a go. Did you give the cry a go? I told you. I did. To watch I watched the cry. it. Finished. Did you it. like it? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Not at all. That uh, that was four episodes of depressing. It was depressing. Um, this week, yeah, we you set us a hard one. I did set us a hard one, and I didn't realize. Oh wait, so, I did want to mention one thing, and a new podcast yeah. I'm listening to. It's brilliant. It's called Operator. It's about how the one eight hundred one nine hundred numbers started when phone <gasps> oh, sex became a thing. That it's would be good. So good. And I would like a documentary like that. Yeah, well, this is this is um, this works really well for a podcast because there's so much. Um, it's so much. It's so much about or because it's so much about audio. So mm. you know, so they have get the original girl that used to do the like. Um, let's try and do. We'll try and do both of that. Okay. We'll try and do our best. Okay. You've got one nine hundred sexy boobs. Stick it in. That's right. Your credit card number. Stick it in. <laughs> in your boobs? Because <laughs> they had to put their credit Stick card in your number boobs? in the thing. Yep. You do it. Go. You go now. Call now. 1-800-8008. That's 1-800-BOOBS. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I could never do it. You know, the funny thing is I worked in telesales for a while, you know, in my 20s, on and off into call centres and stuff like that. And there was this one girl that I talked to that I sat next to. She was a, ho- a hoot. Like she was one of those people that you had wanted to sit next to. Yeah, yeah. When you got rostered on, you were like, oh, I've got to sit next to her because she just told funny stories all the time and she made the day go really quick. Yeah. Anyway, she, her, um, she once used to be a sex caller. 
And it, the really ironic thing is everyone thinks what we just did was all about what sex calls were all about. And she would debunk that so quickly yes. and say, yeah, most of the calls I would get would be men wanting me to be a little girl while they raped me. Oh. She oh. says, so I had to scream a lot. I, I, I lost oh, my voice God, a lot I didn't during know that was- job. Jesus. Yeah, and everyone, she would do it too. And I just, like once, she did it to me once, obviously, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I never thought of that, but of course. And then I just watched her do it to other people over the next yeah. eight months we worked together. Tell <laughs> them like that. This, oh, waiting, God. yeah, as soon as oh. they'd go, oh, what a great job being sexy voice all the time. She'd go, no. Yeah. The reality well, is something very, very different. Did they kind of touch on anything like that? Yeah, they go into that a little bit. I'm only two eps in, but they do go into how, they like they interview old um some of the old girls and they say that, you know, some men just used to go, can you just laugh for an hour? I just want to hear you laugh. no it one turns ever me on. Yeah. Oh, or, right, turns them on or they've never heard and no one ever laughs at them. Could like, be. Like at their jokes. Yeah, could be. Um, and then there was a guy who did it and just had um, a lot of, he was straight but he did mm. the gay lines and he said yeah. that it was very sad. A lot of a lot of lonely gay men who just needed, wanted to talk to another guy because they couldn't um couldn't meet do them. it and they couldn't meet it they couldn't meet them out in the real world so yeah yeah those, those lines would be lifelines for some people yeah yeah absolutely and I think just like sex workers it's a very underrated job it I think we need to have a lot more respect for sex workers they do an incredible service mm, and I yeah. think we need to accept that people use them a lot more as well, that we need to be okay with men, even married men, especially married men, using those services, paying for them for a nice, easy transaction that prevents them from having an affair, doing it, um, bringing home any kind of a disease. You know, there's women who have babies and or go through parts of their life where they just, they, they simply can't perform in that sense and sex workers are perfect mm. step-ins for that kind of thing and when you make it a business transaction like that and everyone's kind of aware there's no secrecy there's no um what's the word I'm looking for when you lie there's no deception, deception. yeah yeah yeah, yeah I agree and, I agree and I think we as women need to respect other women who do that for a, a vocation mm. it's a f- mm-hmm. fucking honorable job I yeah. th- it's as they everyone says it's one of the oldest yep. jobs in the world yeah and this guy who set this up gave all of these women a job to um where they got benefits and they got you know um taxed properly and they got leave and all of these things that um, they wouldn't get in their norm, like if they were actually out, you know, doing sex work on the yeah. you know, sex work on the street. So it was a legit, yeah. you know, job. Service. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and for a lot of the women, like, got them through school, got them through. Yeah. Yes. Supporting their family. Um. One woman says, you know, she used to go and do the night shift, and she'd come home, and she'd had a, had made enough money to hire a babysitter to look after her kid from. Yeah. Um. You know, eight in the morning till like twelve. She'd sleep. Yeah. And she would go, yeah. and then she would get. You know. So, really, yeah, amazing, amazing stories. But um, speaking of of communications and using words oh, and linguistics. Oh, 
Let's see what you've done there. Let's see what I've done there. So you set us a really hard task last week and decided I we were going to do women to, in I? linguistics. And it was been it's been a really hard mm. one to research. Thought it would be a lot easier, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But kind of disappointed that mm. it is it isn't more spoken about because we found it really hard to find the women in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. And no interesting stories, like, you know, backstories of women who've done this, why they've done this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I honestly thought there'd be so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, from the Helen Kellers of the world back then yes, yeah. to today and before, obviously before that, like just the interesting diverse women in, around the world that would be so interested in, and so evolved in this kind of thing. Mm, mm. Maybe there is. Maybe we just haven't. We just weren't able to find, I don't know. Yeah, but everything else we've looked, looked up, forever. we find, you know, there's a lot of information yeah. about a lot of different women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one that they don't seem to account, I mean, they don't seem to either put themselves on the internet or get written about, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. So what did but, you find um, anyway? Well, I did find a little bit about linguistics. Yeah. So I can kind of tell you what linguistics is. That would be good. Each human language is a complex of knowledge and abilities enabling speakers of the language to communicate with each other, to express ideas, hypotheses, emotions, desires, and all other things that need expressing. Linguistics is the study of these knowledge systems in all their aspects. How is such knowledge system structured? How is it acquired? How is it used in the production and comprehension of messages? How does it change over time? The part of linguistics that is concerned with the structure of language is divided into a number of subfields. You've got phonetics, phonology, morphology, syntax, Semantics. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why I had to say that like Semantic. that. <laughs> You're anti-semantic. <laughs> That's why. And pragmatics. Now, do you want to know what any of those are? I would because I actually okay. do mention those in my story. So Because I they are quite easy. Yeah. Phonetics. Do you know what phonetics is? The way something sounds, if it sounds phonetically, mm-hmm. pronounced phonetically, yeah. it's it's yeah. It said what it looks like. It said it sounded yeah, it, well. Like, yeah. yeah, phonetics is the study of speech sounds in their speech physical sounds. aspects. Yeah. Aspects. Mm-hmm. Okay, phonology is the study of speech sounds in their cognitive aspects. So that's mm. cognitive is your brain. Yeah. Um, morphology is the study of the formation of words. Mm. Syntax is the study of the formation of sentences. Semantics is the study of meaning mm-hmm. and pragmatics is the study of language use. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. There, yeah, it really is. Aside from language structure, um, other perspectives on language are represented in specialised or um, interdisciplinary branches like historical linguistics, mm-hmm. social linguistics, psycholinguistics, ethnolinguistics. <laughs> Dialectology. Oh. I'm glad I got out of those linguistics. Oh, hang on. Here comes another one. Yep. Computational linguistics. Linguistics. And yes. neurolinguistics. Yeah. So that's just a really short explanation of what linguistics are. Yeah. Um, that's good. 
that's all I've really got on that. And my, I've got a chick in the now, which mm-hmm. came to me via you. Yeah. Who, um, I do know of this woman already mm-hmm. um, because you showed me her on TikTok. Yeah. Um, I found a really interesting article on her. So that's actually what I'm going to focus on rather than on her social media account. Yeah, sure. Because this is a really interesting article. Okay. Her name is um, Alexis Divine. What a great name. Is it? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's her name. name. Alexis okay. Divine. Because you only know her, her dog, yes, don't you? I do. Okay. So she has a dog. Okay, I'm just going to read the article and see what you think. The, do- the article is called How Bunny the Dog is Pushing Scientists' Buttons. I love Bunny. Many, Like many devoted owners, Alexis Devine spends hours every day sitting in her living room talking to her dog, Bunny. The peculiar thing is that Bunny talks back. Scroll mm-hmm. through Devine's TikTok page and you'll see a stream of videos that follow the same general pattern. Bunny stands next to a, coll- a collection of buttons on the floor raises a paw and presses down. The pre-recorded buttons sound off in the order she presses them. More. Scritches. Now. Scritches. <laughs> it's so cute that, that she's always called scratches scritches. Like, scritches. And scritches is, is coming to the vernacular because of that. Yes. You want some scritches? People are fast. Yeah, you want scritches? Scritches now. Yeah. Scritches now. Scritches. Scritches. Scritches yeah. now. Yeah. Now. Now. That's how the buttons go for yeah. anyone at home. Yes. People are fascinated by Bunny and her ability to talk. She has 5 million followers on TikTok mm. and the likes on each video are in the hundreds of thousands. There are parody videos on TikTok and existential jokes on Twitter about Bunny's sentience. Divine has been enjoying the parodies. Most of the memes are really funny. I, got, I get a good laugh out of them, she says, along with Bunny's demands for scritches. <laughs> But Divine, an artist and self-identified non-expert in dog science, Mm. fields hundreds of questions from humans every day. One question persists among fans and sceptics alike. Is this dog really talking? Mm. Inspired by Bunny's videos, researchers at the Comparative Cognition Lab at UC San Diego are trying to find out. They haven't gotten anywhere close to an answer yet, but they're gathering a lot of data along the way. Yeah, it's amazing. Bunny's journey started when Divine saw videos from Christina Hunger, a speech-language pathologist who has been teaching her dog Stella yes. to use a, bur- a board full of buttons with words pre-recorded on them. Now, you know Stella because you have a book on her. There's a book, How Stella Learned to Talk. That's it. Mm-hmm. The board is an augment- augmentative and alternative communication, which is an AAC device, Mm -hmm. an umbrella term for tools from boards with symbols on them to make speech, generating devices, which is typically used by nonverbal people to communicate without speech. Inspired by hunger, Divine diligently trained Bunny from puppyhood and started setting up her own system, one button at a time. Bunny is now 15 months old. And her system has expanded into a mat with over 70 buttons. Yes. Have you seen it? The mat? Mm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Of words. Yep. After Divine's video started picking up traction in early spring, 
Federico Rossano, director of the Comparative Cognition Lab, started discussing them with people in his department. They began planning a project to study Bunny and other dogs like her who are learning to use the buttons. They hope to determine scientifically whether non-humans can really use something like language to communicate. There are now over 700 participants, including dogs, cats and even horses. And Rosano says the growing number is almost certainly due to Bunny's popularity Mm. drawing people in. So then it goes on more about the dogs and everything, but I really wanted to talk more about um, um, Alexis Devine who, you know, has painstakingly and probably enjoyably taught her dog to Mm. communicate with her. There's one video where um, Bunny is saying, outside, outside, friends, friends, outside, friends, pushing the buttons and... um, she gets Alexa, Alexis. Yeah, Alexis, Alexis gets. Yeah, Alexis gets up and she's like, "What? I don't know what you're talking about. I can't see anyone. Like, there's no. I don't know what you're saying." And she's at the door, 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 friends. And she opens the door, and the dogs from next door are standing at the gate, and only Bunny could could see them through the door. And oh. she opens the door, and Bunny runs up, and she's like, "Oh, you wanted, you know, Barney and." Oh wow! It's yeah, and it's so clever, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. It is. It's so amazing. Wow, she she's a good chicken the now as far as linguistics go. So if you don't yeah. know, yeah. Um, Bunny is on TikTok, and what is Bunny's handle? Bunny the talking dog. It should be um, because Bunny is a talking dog. It just makes sense. So yeah, that's go and follow her. Um, you will have hours. You will go down a rabbit hole yes. of dog videos. Yeah, you will, and then you'll you'll your algorithm will change, and you'll start to see lots and lots of dogs talking. There's also There's nothing some, wrong with that. No, no, absolutely not. There's also um, something that TikTok really opened my eyes to was the amount of talking birds there are. I know there is, isn't there? They're very clever. I mean, and that is very funny, aren't they? That is incredible. You know, when they go to eat someone's food and the owner goes, "No," and they go, "Don't eat that! Don't eat that! Don't eat that! Don't eat that! What you doing? What you doing? Kiss! Give me kiss! Give me kiss! Oh my god! They're so cute. Oh, do you know what? I've started making friends with the local magpie. Have you? Yes, I very first day I ever saw it was weeks ago yeah. and I saw the bird just standing on the ground and I went, hello, Maggie, and it looked at me and then flew away and every day I see it, I say the same thing and now today, today, yeah. he stayed with us for a little walk. Where did you Where did you see him? At the park? You see him at the same dog park yeah. all the time but um, he's – stayed quite far away from us because he would see the dogs, sees me, looks at me Mm. and then sees the dogs and flies. But today saw me, like recognised immediately when I went, hello, Maggie, and looked at me and then saw the dogs and just walked away this time but stayed on the ground with us. Oh, well, keep us updated. Because apparently, yeah, magpies like uh, can be your friends for life once they trust you. Yeah. So I'd love that. I would love that. That's unreal. So you can get some mealworms from the pet store and start feeding it. Oh, that's a great idea because I think it's a baby. I think it's like 
quite new. Okay. And we're going to call it Maggie? Yeah. Yeah. Maggie Rogers is its name. Maggie Rogers. (laughs) If you are loving this podcast, why don't you rate and review us? That's it. Also follow us now. I think it's called follow. It's not subscribe anymore. There's a little plus button. Just push it. Follow us and you'll get a little tick and we'll be like, there you go, followed. Yeah, give us five stars. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at chickstery underscore podcast. And we're also now on TikTok because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. At Chickstery Podcast. Ratchet. So my chick that I'm talking about today um, also could be a chick in the now because she's still alive, but that's okay. She's still Mm. making history and has made history with some stuff that she's done. So um, her name is Donna Jo Napoli. And I know a girl with that last name. Napoli? Yep. Yeah. Elizabeth Napoli. Napoli. And um, she was born in Miami in 1948 to an Italian-American family. My mother was born in that year. Oh, there you go. Good year. Up until the age of 10, she had an undiagnosed eye problem. Um, But as soon as that was corrected, uh, she became obsessed with reading and just obsessed with books. Um, Her childhood was described as really troubled. Her father uh, was a really bad gambler. And she remembers often coming home from school uh, as a 10-year-old, she, you know, coming home from school and everything she owned would be out on the street because they would once again, oh. um, they've, you know, had been evicted from their house. And she remembers that oh. happening a lot. Right. So reading provided uh, a lot of solace for um, for her and she'd often escape up trees for hours with a book. She was super, super smart and this led her to being accepted into Harvard University and she wow, received... she was super smart. Mm-hmm, yep, she received sorry. her Bachelor of Science in Mathematics in 1970 mm-hmm. and then a Master's and a PhD mm. in Romance Languages. Italian. All the Latin derived languages. Romance languages. I mean. Mm -hmm. Do you know how Italy got its national language? How? Well, it was all villages. They all had different languages. Yeah. And they would fight when they said we with the government we're going to make it a national language like this isn't spot on by the way but this okay, is right. kind of how it went no fact checking uh, the on government, this one yeah don't fact check <laughs> although if you do know yeah um okay. tell me it exactly because it goes something like this okay the government yeah. said we've got to have a national language you know the we're becoming a bigger country and we can't have this dialects everywhere so every village said me our language our language is the best yeah right. and everyone Government finally went, no, whatever. We're going to make a new language and it's going to be a a language made on love and all the words we use from now on are just going to be words that um, conjure love. And they did. They did, romance. And that's the language that we know today, Mm. the Italian language. Mm -hmm. It's the language of romance. Wow. That's a great story. Thank you. I hope it's right. Yeah, it's probably not. But anyway, in 19... In 1974, she went on mm-hmm. to do a postdoctoral fellowship in linguistics at MIT, which led her into her career in linguistics. So um, 
A lot of people have said to her that it's a really strange combination, maths and linguistics, and she Mm. argues that the systems that languages use fascinate her and studying that pulled in my mathematics foundation. So I became a linguist who looks at Mm. the formal systems of language. Um, She's worked in syntax, phonetics, phonology, morphology, historical and comparative linguistics, romance studies, the structure of Japanese, the structure of American Sign Language, poetics, writing for ESL, and mathematical and linguistic analysis of folk dance. Oh, (laughs) I was going to say... What about Amazing. folk dance? And then you brought you, then you said it. I mean, I, like, oh. I mean, naturally, right? What an odd thing. I know. What I is know. it, the history of line dance? Mathematical and linguistic analysis of folk Anal- dance. Of folk dance. I've gone line dance straight away. <laughs> I mean, wow, okay. Because yeah. folk dance would be very important because that would be part of your clan. Yeah. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, well, and you know, folklore is mm-hmm. the story of old. So folk dance, would that be something similar maybe? Yeah, they're, they're religious dances. So they mean they're rituals. They're, they mean something, yeah, you know, right. and they, they, let me just, I've just looked it up. A folk dance is a dance developed by people that reflect the life of the people of a certain country or region. So she's taught linguistics at Uh, Smith College, the University of North Carolina, Georgetown University, University of Michigan, University of Pennsylvania, yada, yada, yada. She's been around. She's been around the traps. Um, Okay. Her linguistics career began in generative syntax with a focus on Italian and other Romance languages. Um, Her dissertation in 1973 was titled The Two C's, S-I-C's. Oh, yes. Of C, C, C. of Italian, an analysis mm, C, of C. Reflect, reflexive, incaotive, and indefinite subject sentences in modern standard Italian. I can't even say those words. But I she know. did a thesis, on, a dissertation on it. So I'm just laughing again because of last week's oh, episode. God, yeah, we thought we were past it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But this is there's still some big words in this one as well. Her subsequent work spanned many topics with gen- with generic <laughs> with generic syntax on romance languages and English including its interfaces with intonation morphology and other areas. Along with her studies in linguistics, she mm. loved to write because she loved Aww. to read. And her first yeah. book um, she wrote in 1988 um, and she's gone on to write over 80 books. So many books. Like wow. she and anyone who went to school in the US would would really know her. She's a very well-known adult fiction writer oh. and children's book author as well. Oh, so okay. her children's books have attracted quite a bit of controversy and she does a TED Talk um, that's from 2014 oh. that I watched. Did you watch? You watched it, of, of course. course. Good. And she explains why she chooses to tackle subjects that most writers turn away from, especially for children. So themes such as family hardships, anxiety, phobias and illness, 
she says in her TED talk that she finds she she says that it's really important for that children read stories about real life problems that they might face, mm-hmm. and it helps mm-hmm. comfort those who are experiencing similar difficulties. She mm-hmm. explains that as a child, she rarely saw herself represented in the stories that she was reading. Nothing bad mm-hmm. ever happened to them, and she wondered what kind of life children might have if their whole life they are protected. So mm. she wanted to know what would happen if, and she tells us tells a story about one of her books where there's a um, the young character in it is a young girl who's ten years old and she's riding in a car with her dad and the dad all of a sudden has a pain in his chest and pulls over on the side of the road and passes away, and mm. so then the story goes on. She. Um, you know, she meets a, a blind woman who gives her like all this advice or she meets someone who has cerebral palsy or one of her main characters has, um, you know, has really serious illnesses and she's like, we we just have to stop putting cotton wool on our children and let them yeah. read these stories because it's life and and bad things happen to good people in life. That's right. And it's okay and it's to okay. know about these things. Yeah. Let's talk about them with children instead. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing I wanted to focus on with her, which I think you will love, is that um, in the early 2000s she began a program into the research on sign languages. And she started looking, um, she started talking to the deaf community. She did a bunch of research and she wrote a book called Primary Movement in Sign Languages in 2011. Mm -hmm. So um, since 2013, her and her students that she works with and a professor at the Gallaudet University produce bimodal, bilingual video books in 30 sign languages um, and also in the ambient spoken language. They've produced over 100 video books. So this is fucking amazing, right? So she's produced mm. these e-books. So um, it encourages hearing people to share books with deaf children. So parents who have deaf children can read them stories. So basically oh, wow. it's the book and the the video so you and they're all free they're all on YouTube you oh. can look up a book and I've got goosebumps telling you this because yeah. it's such a good story you go on YouTube so the book is in the video the text is in the video there's yeah. a voiceover for the video yeah. and there's also someone signing so the whichever hearing, mode you need yes yeah, so the hearing parent yeah. can read it right. Um, and because these children are, um, you know, they're visual learners, it mm-hmm. just captures their attention straight away. And she shows yeah. this video of a two-year-old, little two-year-old deaf child sitting in front of one of her books and he is just, he mimics, they start mimicking and they start learning how to communicate through these books. Oh it my is, God. It is amazing. So 96... Oh, I just watched a TikTok and a man, they were in a store, so obviously his wife was filming, looked like like Kmart, mm. um, and, his, and the caption said, this is the first time my I'm deaf and my baby is hearing and this is the first time my baby has translated for me. And they were out and the baby was oh. like, say, two years old, carrying 
toys, like yes. obviously just picked up something off the shelf and he's walking behind and the baby just put them down and went and he went because you could hear on the video you're watching, you can yeah. hear someone cry, a baby crying and he says to her, is there a baby crying? And she just picks up her toys and walks yes. off. Like she, oh, and he says for the first time, wow. she just did it naturally. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. It's, it is. It's it's incredible. I'll find that and send it to you. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'm I'm so I'm so here for it. Ninety six percent of deaf children are born into hearing families, and they mm. are not signers themselves. So mm. they need to get language mm. to that child somehow. That's um, right, because they have to learn late as adults, and mm-hmm. that is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. to do to learn another language as yeah. an adult. And they do what's called mabbling which is mm. babbling but in sign language for babies oh. where they 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 just they know that they can and... start making words with their hands just the same just the same they they babble but it's called mabble oh my um, god so she always gets asked the question why do you need a voiceover and this is incredible as well okay so she's like why do you you don't really need to if they can't hear you know and the parents are reading the book then how come you need a voiceover some deaf children have some access to sound so there are some some deaf children that can pick up some sounds um Mm -hmm. they also voice over for the deaf parent so Mm -hmm. um if the parent's deaf for the hearing child so then Mm -hmm. the parent can feel like it's telling the story to the child and the child mm-hmm. can he- hear and also have and the parent see. sign and see as well. Yeah. It also allows the deaf child who has hearing siblings to share the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very inclusive, isn't it? So all of her books offer combinations of sign language, text and voiceovers in the natural la- like in the natural language. There is over 30 different languages and all of the countries have their own sign language. ASL is American Sign Language. We do mm-hmm. Auslan. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I remember as a child saying to my mum, wouldn't it be good if we could just all learn sign language and then everyone could talk to each other and then realise learning later in life that even if we learn our sign language, we wouldn't be able to understand their sign language. Wouldn't it be great if there was an international sign language? Yeah. Like slowly brought it in. Yeah. Um, you can still have other, your own national sign languages, but where it is decided what it is yeah. and it's then start to be rolled out internationally. Yeah, absolutely. So, from people being born in five years' time, they can learn both. Just like we can learn by, you know, we can be bilingual. Because I always thought my mum was a travel agent and we always used to say how easy it would have been to travel yeah. for everyone yeah, around the true. world if we had an international sign language. We could travel anywhere and talk to anyone. And it's not just for deaf people. Yeah. There's a quote here. She says, years ago I visited a school for the deaf to see how the children learn to read. It opened my eyes. It is exceedingly difficult to learn to read a language you cannot hear. I'm a linguist Mm. and a writer for children, so this experience lit a fire under me. I wanted to learn about the deaf experience, sign languages, and what sorts of ways I might be able to support the effort to learn to read. I now analyse sign languages, work with a team, uh, and work with a team to advocate for deaf children's language rights. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and then in 2020... Uh, mm-hmm. Her students, past and present, worked with many countries to make bimodal, bilingual, bilingual video books mm-hmm. about COVID nineteen. So, 
Currently, Donna Jo is a professor of linguistics at Swarthmore College. She now works mostly in four areas, the linguistic creativity of taboo language, the analysis taboo. Taboo. The analysis of all components of the grammar of sign languages, language rights of deaf children, and producing ebooks for deaf children. So, Donna Jo mm. Napoli, you are mm. a chicken history that is changing history for deaf children yes. and reading. And just well, that I love that she's an advocacy, she's an advocate for language rights of deaf children. Language rights, that's that's one that really language stood out rights. then. Language rights for children. Yeah. Isn't it that's amazing? amazing. What an amazing chick. Bukirk. Bukirk. And look, I'm just going to show you because I've got her up on my other screen. I want to show you her um her picture because she's such a cutie. Can you see her? Oh, look at that smile. <laughs> Isn't she gorgeous? Yeah, she really is. Yeah. She's she's my new bloody God bless Donna Joe. Donna Joe. Donna Joe. Oh, well that's great. We salute you, Donna Joe. What a nice one to end this se- series yeah, off. Season really off. nice one. Like someone that's doing such incredible work in the world and still and she's got so much ahead of her mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. to go. So who knows what she'll achieve in her lifetime. Yeah. But I'm certainly excited to find out. So am I. So that's it. Yeah. Season three. That's it for season three. I can't believe we're going to be in season four the next time you hear from us. Um, We really appreciate everything, everyone listening, our loyal listeners. We really do appreciate you and thank you so much for listening in every week. Yeah. Um, We hope you have beautiful Christmases, beautiful um, Hanukkahs, beautiful um, holidays. I, I beads, a beads, a aid. I don't know. Mm. All the holidays, all the things. Happiness to all of the holidays, yeah. and make sure that you love each other and take care of each other. And please remember, we are in a pandemic. Be careful. Be, Be careful, and and take care of your vulnerable people. And if you're not vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. It's incredibly important and it's a really easy thing to do. Yeah, this is true. So we'll see you next year in 2022 for season four of Chickstree. Bergurk. Bergurk.